Before we get started, a quick warning, there's some swearing in this episode. New Orleans has always had a unique relationship with death. Perhaps most famously, the elevation here is so low and the water table so high that the city historically had trouble keeping people buried. One doctor was at a burial in the 1840s, and he watched as water filled the grave so quickly that men had to stand on the coffin to keep it below ground. The cemeteries of New Orleans are known as cities of the dead because the architecture and layout match that of an actual city so closely. Not to mention the funeral parades and the voodoo kitsch sold to tourists around town. In a lot of ways, death is celebrated here as just another part of life. It seems impossible to walk around the city and not feel that. They said I was free this morning. Nice. Yeah. It's Friday morning, the final day of the competition. In just a few hours, Colleen Lavin will be pitching Daisy, the funeral planning app, in the finals. But she's never spent any time in New Orleans. So she woke up early this morning to take a walk, see the sights. And she let me tag along. We left our hotel in St. Charles and headed east, past the Walgreens on Felicity. This is the most epic Walgreens I've ever walked into. (laughs) Why is this playing outside of Walgreens? better than the typical Muzak. Or Matchbox 20. That's true. I love Matchbox 20. Yeah, but like, it's in every Walgreens. We pass under the Pontchartrain Expressway and jog to the left. Neither of us has much idea where we are or where we're going. Um, you want to turn right? Despite having spent an entire week on a bus with Colleen, I don't actually know that much about her. And she doesn't know that much about me. So she asked me about work and whether I like it. I ask her about growing up. Turns out, before being a computer whiz and a hackathon regular, she was a bit of an athlete. I was once the uh, Illinois Knights of Columbus free throw champion for girls, ages 14. But what? I was like getting my school volunteer hours, helping my dad at the free throw contest, and I was in the right age frame, so he had me compete. I made two baskets because I was not a basketball player, but no other girls in my age range showed up, and he made me go to the next competition, and no other girls in my age range showed up. Finally, I was almost sent to D.C. to compete in the Nationals after making a total of, like, four baskets. Because nobody had showed up. In my age competition. So that is how you became the Knights of Columbus of Illinois state champion? Age 14. Age 13 to 14. Wow. We crossed Canal Street near Rampart, and there are signs for the French Quarter, so we head in that direction. Colleen grew up outside of Chicago. Her mom teaches elementary school, and her dad, when he wasn't entering Colleen into free throw competitions, spent most of his career working for a big market research firm. During your Q&A yesterday, when someone asked you about the origins of Daisy, you had mentioned, was it your dad? Yes. Uh, He asked me what the origins were, and I mentioned that I'd been worrying about my dad's health because he has been having some heart issues lately. I, I don't know all of the medical terms, but I do know he's had like three or four heart surgeries. His carotid artery was like 98 or 99% clogged. And when they uh, removed the blockage, they damaged his vocal cord. And so he can't talk really. Really? Really. And my dad had this large booming voice beforehand. Like, When I met my college roommate, the first thing she said when my dad left the room was, oh my God, that voice. He had a radio voice. I had no idea. Well, it's not something you randomly bring up in conversation. 
Yeah. Have you talked about your family's health problems? I haven't. That's fair. But I guess, like, oh boy, here we go, right across the street. Um, I feel like when I asked you about, like, how you came up with the idea for Daisy, like, that first day, you were like, I think, if I remember correctly, you said, oh, I just thought about it, like, five minutes on the train over here. I did. Not even on the train over there. I thought about it when we were on the bus. My original idea was a packing calculator. A what? An add-on for travel sites that tells you how much to bring on a trip based on where you're going and how long. It's a really bad idea. But there's no major competition. Well, then what was it that made you go with Daisy? Like, my strategy for hackathons is I think of things that have been bugging me the past week, like packing. So I thought of, like, something that I was worried about, and I was like, okay, death. And there weren't really that many death apps out there. Yeah. Good car honk. I can use that for a transition later. Oh, good. How long has your dad been going through some of that stuff? Yeah, I think it was January or something. Oh, wow. That's really new. Yeah, it's pretty new. How do you feel like you've been dealing with it? I live far away, so... I haven't really been dealing with it. My mom and my brother are more in the thick of it because it's their everyday reality. Like, and my dad, obviously. And he's not bedridden or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, but now he's not. Right. I mean, like, I live pretty far from my family, too. And I, you know, my dad, he hasn't had any specific troubles yet, but he's, like, getting to the age. And he's, like, every time I get a call from him that's, like, at a weird time of day, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, what happened now? Yeah. Yeah. So I think about it a lot, too, especially being far away. Right. How are you going to deal with that? Yeah. 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 It's easy to not notice the changes over the phone and then go home. And suddenly, like, who are these old people who replaced my parents? Not you, Mom. (laughs) I feel like people deal with death in different ways. And, like, my way, super healthy, it's called uh, repression and humor. It's great. Yeah. Are you are you scared by it? Of course. If I wasn't scared of it, why would I like build this whole thing around making it easier? Oh, Knights of Columbus. We were talking about that. Should see if they got a hoop out back. No. I've heard Colleen pitch maybe 20 times over the course of the week. I feel like I could almost give the pitch myself at this point. But this conversation about our parents getting older and the hard decisions we'll have to make, it does more to convince me of the value of something like Daisy than any of those pitches. But as Colleen walks back inside the hotel to get ready for the finals, I remember. I'm not the one she needs to convince. This is Startup, the show about what it's really like to start a business. On a bus, I'm Eric Metal. After four days and multiple rounds of pitching, we are now down to the final day, the final five companies vying for the title of Startup Bus Champion 2017. And these companies are pretty diverse in terms of what they do. There's Daisy, of course. They're the only New York company still in the competition. Then there's Corsaline, run by those two fast friends from Tampa, Florida. Yes, they're validated, validated, validated. They've built software to help university syllabi match what jobs are on the market for college grads. 
Then there's drop-in pedals, a device that converts racing bike pedals into regular pedals, so you can wear normal shoes on your fancy bike. Initiate Today is an employee onboarding program. And finally, there's Del Campo, a Mexico City company connecting farmers to retailers. In the hours before the finals, there's a strange mood flowing through Startup Bus. People are whispering, to each other, to me, about how they think something shady is happening in the background of the competition. Something that caught everybody off guard. To understand what's going on, we actually need to jump back a few hours to Thursday night. You probably have enough that you could easily... We're in a hotel room with Team Daisy and Alex Romero. Alex is the developer who created Fishly, which was knocked out in the first round of competition. Since Daisy's in the finals, they've asked him to help spruce up their site. That's allowed. So Daisy and Alex are in this hotel room, coding, joking about all the stuff that happened this week. And then someone mentions the sixth team. See, after the qualifying round ended, the founder of Startup Bus, his name is Elia Bazanis, he told everybody who wasn't moving on to the semis to come to a room for some feedback. Alex went, and now he's telling Daisy what happened. So they told me, go to a room. They're, they're going to give you constructive feedback on your pitches, right? Yeah, they told me that. So I go to a room, and it's the guy pitching, one of the judges, Australian guy. He's talking about Elia, the founder. It turns out there was no constructive feedback. Instead, Elia tells everyone that he is forming a sixth team, a team made up of all the people who lost today from all of the buses. And this massive sixth team will automatically get to compete in the finals. Elia has an idea for the product they're going to build. This team just needs to do it in the next 24 hours. And here's the idea. A blockchain voting app. Remember the technology Denari was using to do Bitcoin donations? Elia wants to use that same technology to build a secure, transparent voting platform. And he wants the people who didn't make it to the finals to help him do it. When Alex Romero heard this, he wasn't exactly jumping at the opportunity. He's like, yeah. democratic blockchain changed the world. I was like, I heard his pitch the entire bus ride here. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy starts pitching us, and I was like, hell no. I wasn't even like subtle about it. I was like, I got to go. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Like, I, the second I knew that they were trying to get us through this, I was like, I'm out. I felt fished. <laughs> the way Alex tells it, he wasn't the only person in the room who felt like something was off. People started filing out, and pretty soon after that, all these questions started to circulate. If the plan all along was to have this six team, why wouldn't they announce it until just now? And if a bunch of people built this thing for Elia, who would own it? Startup bus? People kept coming to me to speculate, but they didn't want to be on mic. At one point, someone looked at me and said, Eric, there is some dark shit going down right now. Before long, it was a full-blown conspiracy theory. The theory being that the competition was rigged so certain teams would lose, and they could then help build a product for Startup Bus. That Startup Bus would own. At first, I wasn't sure how seriously to take these claims. I mean, everyone was tired. I was tired. But enough people seemed concerned that I figured, I don't know, maybe I should look into it. So I went to a hotel diner, I sat down in a corner booth, ordered a chicken sandwich and some fries, and tried to outline the evidence for what, if anything, was going on here. Exhibit A, Denari. There was only one team in the entire competition who built a blockchain product, 
And as far as anyone knew, they were the one team with developers who knew how to build stuff using blockchain. When Denari was eliminated, and then they were immediately asked to be part of building another blockchain app, to some people that looked fishy. And in the end, nobody from Denari joined the sixth team. Exhibit B, the question of IP. Who would own this new product? This is a very big deal. Entrepreneurs can become overnight millionaires because of the things they build and the intellectual property they own. When it came to the blockchain voting app, everyone just assumed this is the Startup Bus founder's idea, so Startup Bus would own it. What's in it for me if I help build it for free? Sitting in my booth considering these questions, it all starts to feel like maybe there is something here. So I call back to the office in New York to tell my boss that this whole competition might not be what it seems. That maybe there's something shady going on and I've been following the wrong story all week. She tells me I sound very tired and I should try to get some rest if I can and maybe get to the bottom of the rumors after we see what happens in the finals. So I finish my fries and stare at the complimentary slice of pickle on the side of the plate. I didn't ask for this pickle, but now that it's here, somebody's got to deal with it. I pay the bill. There's still one last round of pitches to cover. After the break... Hi, I'm Colleen, and I'm here today to talk about everyone's favorite topic. Thanks to our sponsor, Close.io. It's 10 minutes before the final pitches begin, and the venue needs to do a mic check. And now to hear from Daisy. Parker McCurley from Team Denari and Colleen Lavin, who's about to pitch one last time, just happened to be by the stage. So at the request of the sound guy, they grab mics and start talking. There's a slideshow playing behind them, showing the different buses and listing the conductors by name. Max Gaudine and Allison Kildare. <laughs> Parker, proving that he is literate. We're very proud. New York City bus conductors. Madalena Mack, AJ Desai, and Amy Hua. He reads at at least a third grade ooh, ooh, level. So Colleen seems to be doing just fine heading into the pitch. In the lobby, however... Madalena, the conductor, is not so relaxed. I mean, I said I'm really nervous right now. I mean, like, when I was in 2014, my team was a finalist as well. That memory is coming back to me right now. I mean, I feel like I'm as if in Team Daisy. You're definitely you're more nervous than they are. <laughs> I'm more nervous than they are? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely... a little sad that it's all coming to an end. I... I I cried like when, when the bus was driving away. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like, like when will I see like the bus again? All right, startup bus. Let's give a big round of applause for our finalists. Back inside the auditorium, the finals kick off. They're in a fancier space today, called the New Orleans Jazz Market. It seats about 350 people. The stage is this luminous light wood. The floor is a dark gray polished concrete. It's kind of jarring to see all of these familiar people, people who I know didn't shower for much of the week in such a beautiful setting. Our finalist teams. We need two people from all of the finalist teams. 
The teams gather for some last-minute logistics. Yeah. All right, so do I have Del Campo? Yes. Do I have Daisy? Yeah. Yes. Do I have Initiate today? Huh? Do I hear you? Yep. Where's Initiate today? Right there. All right, course align. There are five judges for this round, only one of whom sat in on an earlier round. And the teams will each get five minutes to pitch and then five minutes Q&A. And from the moment the pitches begin, it's apparent. This is a very different level of competition than yesterday. The presentations are all well-crafted. Each of the products makes sense. You could imagine people making these pitches to actual investors. This is Initiate Today, the employee onboarding company. So, what did we do? We created a solution that integrates to an applicant tracking system. So that as soon as you hire on a new employee, we start triggered communications with them immediately. Hey, what type of computer do you prefer? Is it a Mac? Is it a PC? Hey, here's a video from our CEO welcoming you. We're really excited to have you here. Feel the impact. They say they've only got one competitor, an Australian company, and they project they can bring in $1.2 million by year three. Big numbers. The team building the device to convert racing bike pedals is up, and they make a real entrance. So up next is drop-in pedals. Come on up. Oh, wow, look at this. What are we in for? They take the stage with one guy riding a fancy racing bike and wearing those fancy shoes that lock into the pedals. And then they pull up a picture of their friend, Zach, a cyclist. So Zach is going to use his uh, high-performance clipless pedal system to go on his usual 40-mile loop on Saturday. But he also would like to take his high-performance bike out to the bar on Sunday night with his boys. But there's a problem. The problem standing between Zach and his boys? His fancy pedals. Zach could carry regular shoes for when he gets off the bike. He could switch out his pedals entirely, which takes 15 minutes and a bunch of tools. Or... Enter drop-in pedals. It's a universal clipless adapter system. All Zach has to do now, instead of spending 15 minutes, is this. Boom! They snap this pedal adapter onto the bike, and like magic, you can ride this bike with any shoes. Next. Del Campo from Mexico. Let's get up on stage. Del Campo takes the stage. It's probably the most surprising of the pitches so far because they're going after a totally different market than the rest of the teams. They're building a platform to help small farmers sell directly to retailers and food companies, knocking out middleman distributors. So we met on Monday. We met Monday morning at 7 a.m. In the past two days since this online plant board has been functioning, We've been able to sell $723 worth of products. These are products that range from corn all the way to honey, and there's several project pro, uh, products. Then, of course, is Course Align, the two guys from Tampa wanting to match school curriculum with job opportunities on the market. All week, they were confident in what they were making, and rightfully so. They've made it to the finals. And not only that, they've got traction with actual universities. This solution has proven to be so valuable that in just three days, we got commitments from the University of Florida, the University of South Florida, and the University of North Carolina to pilot our program this fall. The pitch is good, the software seems valuable, and the crowd can tell. When the sixth team, the blockchain voting app, gets up to pitch, the room gets quiet. This was the team pulled together by the startup bus founder, the team that got people thinking there might be a conspiracy afoot. They've chosen the name Project 24. And when they're called up, you can sense how uneasy the audience is. Let's check it out and find out what they did. Project 24, where are you at? 
The cheering only starts after the organizer kind of forces it. And the woman doing the pitching takes the stage. It's just not working. I've thought a lot about it. Um, it's not me. It's, it's you. It's also probably you. And um, I don't know you, but it's probably you too. And in fact, it's all of us. And it's the way that we make decisions. And it's just not working. The long dating analogy leads to an explanation of something called dynamic voting. And the idea that you could let someone cast your vote for you. Who could then pass your vote on to someone else? Who could then pass your vote on to someone else? It's kind of confusing, and the idea seems a little problematic. There's a demo, but it doesn't really clear anything up. Watching all of it, the team just doesn't seem like the threat the conspiracy theories made it out to be. That feeling I'd had of suspicion, now it's just confusion. What was the point of the sixth team? What did the organizers think would happen? Later, I would call up the founder of Startup Bus, Elia Bazanis, and I'd ask him about the Six team, about Denari being eliminated, and the fear that the competition was rigged. He'd literally laugh. <laughs> He'd tell me he wasn't surprised people were thinking that way. It happens every year. People always think there's an agenda. I've had people storm out of the audience yelling at me, how could they not be selected? And then they go on to Y Combinator just to prove me wrong. They're not responding to my emails after that because they're still angry about it. As for the IP, the other thing people were concerned about, it turns out it would be open source, so nobody would own it, really. So why even bother having a six team? Well, according to Elia, it's pretty simple. To mess with people, to be honest, because that's what we do with Startup Us. We, we push them and we break them. And what happens is this remarkable thing comes out when people go beyond the limits they think they can, they actually step up. And so by introducing a new team, it was going to add a, another level of competitive threat to the finals. Honestly, I should have seen it coming. It's classic reality TV. They did it on The Bachelor just last season, when they brought back one of Nick's former loves. It was just before the finale, and they were trying to resurface old feelings to throw him off his game. Startup Bus is meant to mimic what it's like to start a company in real life. And it does. But it also mimics reality TV. And in every reality TV show, there are producers in the background pulling strings, creating drama. That string pulling got the sixth team onto the stage, but it does not guarantee them a win. We are creating a platform that empowers users to make dynamic decisions. I guess you could call it a revolution. <laughs> Thank you. It's a few minutes before Daisy's final pitch. Outside the auditorium, Colleen Lavin and her teammate Cal are making their way through the hallway that leads backstage. They see the guys from Course Line and give them a high five. Good luck. You guys are going to kill it. Cal's doing his best to keep Colleen's energy up before she takes the stage. He's shadow boxing with her. Shadow box. Shadow box. Oh, God. And then there's a surprise. Back by request for an encore performance, it's Marilyn from Yeti Graham. You've just got to enjoy the ride. And always shine. Okay. Sorry, Colleen, for putting you up after that, but I think if anybody's going to be able to do it, it's going to be Colleen from Daisy. Let's go. Hi, I'm Colleen, and I'm here today to talk about everyone's favorite topic death. We're all going to die. Many of us have friends. She walks the audience through the numbers. The average funeral costs between eight and ten thousand dollars, she says, and costs are rising fast. Then she shows us the site. Enough of talking about it. Let's see Daisy. All right, 
First thing we do, fill out your form. Now let's say we want to choose our flowers. Now let's get our event page so we can send it out to all of our guests. Seymour Graves is all of his friends know what to do now. And I gotta say, the bright lights, the beautiful venue, it all feels a little surreal. When this is all over, Colleen will still be looking for a job. Adam from Zanari, he'll head back to Cleveland where he and his wife will welcome a new daughter in just a couple of weeks. They'll name her Lila. Madalena will spend the next several months trying to get her own startup off the ground. But right now, during this pitch, the world is in suspension. It's like a snow globe with a young woman in the middle wearing a bright orange tank top, reminding us in her very particular way that our time here is limited. With no major competitors, Daisy is poised to kill it. Thank you. The rest of the team joins Colleen for the Q&A before making their way backstage. Rebecca, the team's CEO, tells them what a good job they did. I think it went really well. You guys did great. I was just on stage. Guys, I, guys, I, guys, I, bring it in, guys. Come on. Bring it in. Team up. Team Microphone. <laughs> Everybody heads out to the lobby. Anne Gale from Team Denari is there to congratulate them. I'm so proud of you guys. That's really cool. you. Honestly, like, that was such a difference. Really? Such a Over at the bar, Alex Romero is sitting with another member officially. Alex, remember, helped clean up Daisy's design overnight, and he told me he noticed something during the presentation. Did you notice there was an error on the... No? When they showed up the, the list? Were you looking at it? You didn't see anything? No. Oh, that's awesome. So... <laughs> the problem was on the checklist page. Like, the way the checklist was one, two, three, four, four. Like, they had the number four repeat twice. Right? So I pointed out to these guys, you're like, oh, you fucked them up, man. So I kept asking people. I was like, did you notice the error? And nobody noticed, so I was like, they got a shot. The, uh, the judges have deliberated for quite a while. That was a very long deliberation session. And they have decided that they'd like to be the ones to announce the top three of Startup Bus North America 2017. The auditorium is packed for the final results, standing room only. The judges will announce third place, second place, and then the grand prize. I'm sitting toward the front with Daisy, Madalena, and a handful of other New Yorkers, all staring at the stage in anticipation. One of the judges takes the mic, and the room goes silent. The third place is for Del Campo from Mexico. The entire Mexico bus jumps out of their seats, shouting, cheering, hugging their teammates. Another judge takes the mic to announce second place. The New York bus is looking more and more anxious. Um, So the second place team is a team that I think did a a great job of demonstrating um, what's possible in three days on a bus. They have uh, really kind of taken a solution that it kind of caught me by surprise. I I referred to it actually in the preliminaries as um, how is this not an upside down ketchup bottle? Like how how the hell did this take so long to come up with? Um, so, from Tampa, Florida, drop in pedal, second place. I lean over to Colleen. She's pretty sure she knows who's going to win at this point. It is definitely going to be Corsalon. I've called it. One last judge, one last team, the winner. 
this was tough. Um, I, I say this every year. I say some version of this bullshit story every year, which is like, oh, we argued and argued and we fought and we had conversations and like, it's Daisy, guys. Congratulations. <laughs> Everyone is up, leaping over chairs, screaming. Other members of the New York bus appear seemingly out of thin air, slamming into each other. It's a lot like that first morning back on the bus, when the riders were fighting their way through the aisle, trying to find teammates. Everyone starts jumping in unison and chanting. Don't put me swearing in the podcast. My mom's going to listen. Daisy makes their way to the stage for photos. Alex Romero from Fishley sits back down in the audience, and I sit next to him. It's just, it's crazy. Wow. I'm so glad to be just part of that, that bus, right? It, it feels like everything that happened on that bus is now worth it. You know, it's now... It brings validation to the pains and struggles that every person on that bus went to just to see like one of the peers like make it. Like everyone came together to help them out and I think it's wow. And this is like <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. I guess I guess nobody noticed I guess nobody noticed the error. <laughs> if they didn't win, I would've I would have felt guilty. <laughs> In the weeks after the competition, the teams largely remained in touch, but fell back into their regular lives. Adam, the dad from Cleveland, just a couple of months after his daughter was born, the company he and his teammate Parker were working for folded. And on the verge of being unemployed with a toddler and a newborn, Adam went down to Austin, Texas with Parker for a blockchain conference. While they were there, they found a lot of people who need help building blockchain products. And so they've gone all in on their own blockchain development startup called Decent Technologies. They're now booked with work for the next several months. Startup bus, Adam said, was the first step in making that change. Colleen Wong, Denari's CEO, she took the idea for Denari and entered it into another hackathon, a month-long hackathon focused exclusively on blockchain. And she won. This one actually came with some prize money. She now lives in Myanmar, where she's working for an NGO. Officially, the phishing app, they're still up and running. Apparently on the last day of the competition, Alex Romero forgot to turn off some Facebook ads he'd set up for the company. And when he got back to his room that night and realized what had happened, he'd already spent like $450 on these ads. Because it turns out, a lot of people clicked through. There was a lot of interest in Fishly. So they've been working to get it ready, and now they're in beta. Fishly.io. And the winners? Daisy? Well, the thing about Startup Bus is it isn't really set up to support companies after they win. There's a network of people, but there's no official follow-ups or intros to investors or anything like that. Colleen Lavin and Rebecca, Daisy's CEO, were having weekly calls after the competition. They were trying to determine what it would take to really get the company off the ground. And they decided to put Daisy on the back burner for a while. But just recently, they've started talking again about moving it forward. In the meantime, Rebecca is working as a marketing consultant. Colleen Lavin is still looking for a full-time job. 
When I first got on Startup Bus, I was trying to understand why people would sign up for something like this. It's stressful, you don't win anything. There's certainly no guarantee you'll walk away with a viable company. But after spending a week with these people and seeing where they've wound up since, I realize you get on the bus the same way you try on a new outfit at the mall, or the way you walk across a room to ask a stranger to dance. It might only be for a week, a night, or that brief moment standing in front of the mirror. But even for that short time, there's a possibility that you can be exactly who you want to be. Oh, and one final update. At the top of the show, Colleen Lavin mentioned how her dad had been sick and lost his voice, his radio voice, because of a surgery. Well, a few weeks ago, his voice came back. I had surgery uh, the last day of May. I lucked out. I had the surgery we found in Chicago. So he and I are going to close the show out together. Take it away, John. The Startup miniseries was hosted by Eric Menel. The show is produced by Bruce Wallace, Luke Malone, Simone Polanin, Amy Standin, and Max Gibson. Startup senior producer is Molly Messick. We're edited by Annie Rose Strasser, Lisa Chow, and Alex Bloomberg. Mixing by Andrew Dunn and David Herman. Our Startup Buzz theme is by Bobby Lord. The credit song Roll Buzz Roll is by Jeffrey Lewis. You can see the full music credits on the website, gimletmedia.com slash startup. Special thanks to Emmanuel Berry, Fia Bennon, Caitlin Boguki, Jorge Just, Julia Botero, Matthew Bull, Jim Grau, Ali Bangochea, James Cabrera, Victoria Barner, Kevin Turner, to Jagged Jaw for the song at the end of the episode, and to the entire New York startup bus. We had special artwork made for each episode this week by the illustrator Josh Kramer. You can see more of Josh's work at www.joshkramercomics.com. And you can listen to more of this show at gimletmedia.com slash startup. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the newsletter for exclusive behind-the-scenes content. And check out all of Gimlet's other great podcasts. Startup will return in the new year with new seasons. The show is going back to covering one story over many episodes, embedding with people as they try to get their big ideas off the ground. If you have something you think would be good for the show, send us an email to startup at gimletmedia.com and put the phrase next startup in the subject line. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you soon. And one last thing, hire my daughter. She needs a job. That was her idea. That was her idea.